Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today are dedicated in loving memory of uh, David Barmoha Alava Shalom Lirunishmat David Ben Saada from his wife Sylvia, children Yigal, Asher, Ronnie, Yossi, Nir, and Shiran and family. Breakfast in the Class are also dedicated in loving memory and Lirunishmat Yosef Moshe Ben Rabbi Meir Alava Shalom, sponsored by his son Rafael Dagan. Finally, Breakfast in the Class today is also Lilui Nishmat on his yard site, uh, Yisrael Ben Simafega uh, Rousman, who is my, uh, my wife's grandfather, uh, on behalf of the entire Rousman and Abixer families. Week of Cold Brews today, sponsored by Emmanuel Zara in honor of David E. Ash, for sponsoring Cold Brew regularly and for all the chesed he does in his substantial capacity to do good. <clears throat> my friends, in our parasha, we read about something that seems to be very interesting. There are two types of adversaries that Yaakov Avinu faces. Yaakov Avinu faces an adversary called Lavan, where everything is hidden, where everything seems to be pretending to be white and pretending to be pure and pretending to be innocent, but is actually out to get him. And then he has another adversary, and the adversary is called um, Esav. Esav is literally, uh, in every possible way, coming out towards him uh, with uh, 400 men ready for war. That's the type of uh, uh, people that Yaakov Avinu has to deal with. The sly and the cunning, you know, the person who's uh, kind of going to stab you with the, with the small knife, with the, see, I don't know if you guys remember the Saturday night special, right? They had those little tiny guns that the guy would sneak in and, you know, when they would kill someone in the, you know, in the mafia stories, you know, or, you know, the guy that comes with a, with a, a machine gun right up to your face, and tells you that they, that they are your enemy. So Yaakov Avinu faces both of these challenges in his life, the hidden challenges and as well um, the, revealed, the revealed challenges. And it's interesting that from the revealed challenges, Yaakov Avinu doesn't get hurt. In his story with Esav, you know, he has to prepare himself for war, but nothing actually happens to him uh, from, that, from that, uh, you know, that, the open meeting between him and Esav. Whereas with Lavan, uh, you know, 10 times, you know, he messed with Yaakov Avinu, drove him crazy. He set him back many, many years in his process of building a family, being able to go back to Eretz Yisrael. Um, and, and we see uh, oftentimes that that is the worst or the more difficult of challenges. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I think there's something interesting here uh, on this specific day. You know, today is Veterans Day. And um, Veterans Day is a day that was initially actually set aside as a day to celebrate and a day to remember all the soldiers that died in World War I. Unfortunately, I mean, it's, so, it's really sad to think, if you read about when they originally set it up, the idea was that this was going to be a war, this was going to be the war to end all wars. And, you know, chalas, that's it. You know, after this war, we don't have any more wars. How many, it's, how, how short is it before we find ourselves in the Second World War? You know, how many wars have we had America, uh, in America since then, both domestic and abroad, you know, but at the same time, um, Veterans Day was set up <clears throat> to be able to celebrate the sacrifices that the Amer American military members made, uh, you know, in that great war. And later on in 1954, they actually changed it to include the soldiers from all different wars uh, across, you know, uh, for the, all, the, the contribution of soldiers across all the different wars. And, you know, one of the things that I'm thinking about is that, you know, it's, it, it struck me because I noticed that there's a differentiation in the American calendar between holidays. Some holidays are called major holidays 
And some holidays are called minor holidays. And I was thinking, you know, what must it feel like to the family of someone who served and died abroad in the, in the, in the line of duty, you know, to, to hear that the day that commemorates uh, his service is called a minor holiday. I would think that there's something else you could call it. Like, just as an example, you go on a plane, you know, you have first class, you have business class, you have economy class. Could you imagine the airline trying to sell you for through $2,000 a ticket called second class? <laughs> or even worse, trying to tell people, please, if anyone in third class could please, uh, if the people in third class could please be quiet and wait until the people in first, you know, it's, you don't, you don't, there's other words to call it besides calling it a minor holiday. And I, I get the logic behind it. But they cancel the flights anyway, doesn't matter. They can't, sorry? They're canceling the flights anyway, because everyone should go on Sammy, on Sammy's uh, Jet Set, uh, what is it, at uh, jetsetonly.com. Uh, okay, now, my friends, there's, there's something very special about this, and this is really what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the, the silent enemies and the loud enemies that people face in their life. And I think, perhaps, one of the silent enemies, uh, one of the lavans that we face in our life, one of the biggest challenges that the Yetzirah sets up for us. I mean, we're all aware of the, the general Yetzirah that a person has to deal with. You know, your ta'avot, your desires, you know, those, pay, those paths, they're paved with lights. Like, you know exactly what the Yetzirah is trying to do to you most of the time. But one of the silent killers is uh, the ability that a person has uh, to overlook or to uh, not pay attention to things that they are obligated to have hakarat hatov for. That's a silent killer of Judaism. It's a silent killer of spirituality. It's not the esav yetzehara that comes and knocks on your door in the, in the form of a, a, you know, a seductress, in the form of, of money sitting on the table gleaming. It's not, it doesn't come that way. It, it appears uh, perhaps in a much more subtle way. But the underpinnings of all of Yahadut are dependent on whether or not you consider a day like Veterans Day to be a major holiday or a minor one. You know, I want to give a couple of examples of this concept. Baruch The Pasuk tells us, Kabed and it associates the honor of God with honoring of your parents. Now the question is asked, what are those two things to do with one another? Why does it say Ani Hashem in the Pasuk related to your honoring and having fear of your, of your father and mother? Why is Kabet Avicha on the side of the Luchot, which are all about mitzvot between man and God? Those should be between man and man. And now Chachamim explain that a person who doesn't have respect for their parents will not have respect for God. Why? The immediate example of your creator, in inverted commas, is your parents. If you don't have respect for them, if you can't speak to them with respect in your mind, in your heart, and in your mouth, if you can't address them properly, if you think that you could speak to them and call them by their first name, contradict what they say, tell them they don't know what they're talking about, if that's how you relate to your parents, how is a person going to be able to relate to Borea Olam, who is also his creator, on a much higher level, but also in a much more distant way? Your parents, your relationship with them is a natural and obvious one. The fact that God made you and that God gives you your blessings in life is something which might be a little bit more in the background. 
What happens if you can't repl- if you can't respect the obvious responsibilities, respecting your parents? There's no way you're ever going to be able to respect God. So Hakadosh Baruch Hu tied the honor of His own name to the way that a person honors their parents. In fact, my friends, this is so interesting. We are called as Jews. We're called Yehudim, and the reason why we're called Yehudim is based on what we read in this week's parasha that Leah called her son Yehuda. Now, why Yehuda? Of all the tribes, there's 12 tribes. We come from all the tribes. Why we all choose the name of Yehudim? And the Sfarim tell us because it is a core value of the Jewish people. A core value like no other value is the fact that a Jew has to, must, obligated to constantly be in a state of hakarat hatov. Now, this idea of modim anachnulach, of Yehuda, this concept of saying praise, of praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of being thankful, it requires another element as well. And this is, I think, the, the reason why we have an aversion uh, to being grateful, to showing gratitude and showing appreciation. The same word in Hebrew, modeh, which teaches that you have, that you are showing gratitude, you're thanking, the same word modeh also means admitting. In every gratitude is an admission that you could not have done something without another person. It doesn't, it's not easy to admit that you need someone. Everyone wants to feel independent. We want to feel like we run our own lives. We don't want to believe that we need somebody else. It makes us feel uh, powerless, impotent, that we have to rely on another person to be able to accomplish something. So the admission, how much I, I owe my parents, is a direct link to how little I could have done without them. I want to claim all my own successes for myself. If I have to admit that they raised me right, that they sent me to good schools, they made good decisions, even decisions I disagreed with when I was younger, okay? That admission is, in, in an essence, the element which leads a person to gratitude. So this concept that we have the freedoms in this country um, to be able to act and to live as we wish, and even more so to be able to practice Judaism and to be Jews in this country, must, it must resonate with every single Jew today that we have an absolute duty of care to respect this, uh, uh, this day and to show honor to the soldiers that fought, that fought for it. You know, uh, my friends, there's, there's something uh, which I think takes us to the next stage as well. One of the ceremonies that they have on Veterans Day as well is that they show a certain element of dignity and honor to the tomb of the unknown soldier. And this soldier, which they don't know who he was, but he, it was called the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in, in, uh, in Washington. And what do they do? What do they do with this soldier? They show a trip. They, they, you know, they bring a flag and they do everything they need to do. This also resonates to a large degree with a feeling of tremendous hakarata tov that we have to people we don't even know. And let me explain what I mean. You know your father, your mother, you know what they did. You know your uncle, your aunt, you know your grandpa, you know what they did. This hakarata tov. I have tremendous hakarata tov. I mentioned my wife's grandfather. Tremendous hakarata tov to him. You know, he was the one that set us up to be able uh, to study. He helped us while we were studying in Israel to become a rabbi. You know, you think the person that helps you while you're studying, a person who sponsors those two, three, four years that a rabbi has to take in Israel to study, if someone takes that responsibility, it's not a tremendous amount of money. 
you know, you could sponsor a rabbi today, you know, for what is it, him and, a, him and his wife and a young, maybe a baby, what is it, 36000 a couple thousand dollars a year, a month, 2000 3000 dollars a month, for $36,000 a year as an example, you pay that for three years, you made this person a rabbi. Every person he then teaches, that's your zechut, forever. You think about the person giving classes for the rest of his life because he became an, a, a rabbi with semicha. So you understand, this is something that he did for us, and he allowed us to be able to do that. So every single day, um, even though today is his yard time, we mentioned his name, every single day, there's a responsibility to think, to remember the veterans, all the people that came before us, that laid the pipework for us to be able to do the jobs that we do. And oftentimes, it's the unknown soldiers that we have the greatest amount to be thankful for. You know, you were raised by your parents, no doubt. But you went to a school. Who started that school? Now, how hard it is to open up a, a school? Everyone loves to complain about Jewish schools. How expensive they are, how underwhelmed they are with this part of the school, with the education, they don't like this, they don't like that. They, everyone loves to complain. You know how hard it is to open a school? People love to complain. The mikvah, it's not so nice. The other mikvah is much nicer. You know how hard it is to raise the money to, to build a mikveh? And I heard once someone complaining about a mikveh in Manhattan. Chabad has a beautiful mikveh on 77th. Beautiful mikveh, right? It's like, they built it like a spot. That's how it should be. So a person should feel it. But what happens if there's a mikveh in town? It's been a mikveh for decades. It's not so nice. It's not updated. We're complaining about the mikveh. You know how expensive it is to open a mikveh in Manhattan? You know how expensive that real estate is? You have to dig the bore, the bore, you have to make sure that the, it's coming from the sky, all the rainwater, collect the rainwater. What are you going to do? Have a rooftop mikveh? Most of the time the mikveh is in the basement. Go figure out now how to get the water down from the ceiling to the basement without piping it with pressure, etc., etc., to ruin the fact that it's water. There's, there's a lot that goes into that, okay? But we don't think, we don't think, and we don't notice, and therefore we don't show gratitude. And I want to share with you one element of something that I did not notice, I did not show gratitude for, I did not, I was just because I was not aware. When I first met my wife's grandfather, Lava Shalom, I noticed he was a, a businessman, tremendous Yeresh Shamaim, built a big family, it was a big Baal Tzedakah um, uh, in, in Muncie, in, 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 uh, in uh, New Square, right? And I noticed that his, his, one of his hands was like tilted. So I just thought that maybe he'd had an injury. I wasn't going to bring it up. I just noticed that it was tilted backwards. It didn't say anything. Uh, you know, anyway, I knew him. I had the chance, the privilege, the honor to know him for a few years after I got married, before he passed away. And after he passed away, I managed to get my hands on a CD, a CD of him telling the story of how he escaped from the Holocaust. And in this, on the CD, he starts saying a story about how when he was in Auschwitz, he was there as a young boy. When he was in Auschwitz, um, he, co he goes to his brother and he says to him, today, he says, he says, tomorrow is Yom Kippur. I'm not working on Yom Kippur. His brother says, but they'll kill you. He says, I don't care. I'm not working on Yom Kippur. I'm going to find a way to get out of it, to not have to do, uh, to not have to do what, what you know, uh, what... Uh, the, the work tomorrow. The brother says, look, I, I, it's sakanat nefashot, you don't have to do that, why are you doing it? He's, his, he was very strong, his yirat shamayim was very strong, that's it, I'm not doing it. He was working at the time 
in the coal mines in the outskirts of the, uh, of the camp in Auschwitz-Birkenau. And he goes down into the coal mines and he finally comes up with a solution. You know, in the, in the coal mine down there, they, had, they were mining for the coal and then they had these uh, like tracks that would bring down these big train carts and they would fill the carts with coal and then the trains would kind of come up, but they would come down into the pit and then they would kind of go back up. Anyway, he closes his eyes, he bites down with one hand. As the train car comes down, he sticks his hand in between the two trains. The train crushes his hand in between the two train cars. He runs upstairs, says to the guard, he says, Sir, you know, unfortunately I just got my hand caught between the train. It broke all the bones in his wrist. <clears throat> he went to the infirmary and he managed to not work on Yom Kippur. And I was just remember, I was watching this video after he passed away with tears in my eyes because it was something that I'd seen with my own eyes all those, all those years. And I never knew why or how that came. I was embarrassed to ask him. I didn't want to point out maybe something that was, you know, not, you know, he wasn't happy about. But it was only afterwards that I realized what an idiot I was that I didn't have a chance to be able to appreciate, to tell him how proud I was that my children, that that's where my children come from. You understand something like that? That's an, that is the honor we're showing to the unknown soldiers. You know, you think about the idea uh, that the Syrian community here, we have a beautiful, flourishing community. And I think a lot of times everyone says, oh, wow, you know, the rabbi did this, the rabbis, they set up this, they did that. But there are random people that were here in America that were working so hard when the Syrian community was a bunch of immigrants on the other side of the ocean. How'd they get here? There's groups of people that worked very hard, tirelessly. Many of them not Syrian, rather, because they weren't, the Syrians weren't here. There's a woman from, uh, from Toronto called uh, 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 Judy Feld Carr. She was responsible for bringing over a tremendous amount of the original Syrian group that came here. People, do you know who she is? You see my point? There's so many different people that a person has an obligation to show the Hakarat HaTov to. Now, all the mitzvot are rooted in this. Because as the Sefer HaChinuch writes, if you have true gratitude to Borei Olam, when it comes time to do an Avon, what are you going to say? How could I do, how could I, how could I do this Avera? How could I not do this Mitzvah? HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives me everything. So the, the root of all Mitzvot is in the Hakara, the recognition of how much God gives you, how much you owe Hashem. So if you don't have Hakara Tatov, you have nothing. And that's why the very first Tefillah that we say is Modeani Sfarim say that actually the correct usage would be Ani Modeh, which means I am grateful. But instead we switch it to say Modeani. And the rabbis write the reason for that is so that the first word out of a Jew's mouth in the morning should not be Ani, I, me. The first word should be Modeh. I'm grateful. The word that you begin every, think about that as a Jew, your opening line every day of your life from the time that you become a sentient child till the day that you die, the first word that you say is, thank you. What a magnificent concept. But the idea that gratitude is a self-contained mitzvah is the biggest mistake that a person could make. You become a more grateful person, automatically you become a more spiritual person. Yaakov Avinu has two enemies. Esav, which is represented by the war with the angel, which represents the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah comes beating his chest with 400 soldiers behind him. That's one kind of a war. But then there's another kind of a war. And that kind of a war is the war 
that attacks and presents and is quiet, you don't notice. Not noticing, my friends, is one of the greatest, one of the greatest problems that a Jew could have in his life. So if you made a list for yourself of all the people that help you each and every day, whether this starts with your doorman or the, the security guard here in the Beit HaKnesset or your secretary at work or the person uh, you know, who's the elevator man, it doesn't matter. Even if they're doing something very small, the moment a person starts opening their eyes, I have to tell you, they're living a completely different life. Both in terms of the spirituality of the Ruchaniyut, but also, my friends, in terms of understanding the real world that they live in. A person who's not grateful lives in a miserable world. The only thing they notice is pain. A person who is grateful notices everything. They see that every day people are out trying to help me, trying to do, trying to do good. Trying. They're living in different worlds. So Rabotai, Gal enai, like the Pasuk says, open up my eyes, ve'abita, and I will see wondrous things in your Torah. And I translated the Pasuk, not Gal enai ve'abita, open up my eyes so I should be able to learn Chidushet Torah, but rather, you know how I notice the wonders of Torah, of mitzvot? Gal enai, just by opening up my eyes. Noticing people, noticing what my parents did. Call your parents. Recall something from your childhood that they, that they did for you that was very important. Call a teacher from your childhood that made a real impression on you, that gave you confidence. A mentor that helped you in the beginning when you were starting out in business. Thank them for it. It's not, the gift is not the gift of thanks for them. The greatest recipient of that knowledge, of that recognition of gratitude is in your own life. You start to feel lucky to be alive. You start to feel happy in your day-to-day. -day. Um, and that, my friends, is the secret killer, uh, the representation of the war that Yaakov fights with Lavan. Baruch Adonai Le'olam.